Amen. Let's look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to share a message entitled, What God Hath Prepared. In uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God hath, I'm sorry, which God ordained before the world unto uh, our glory. None of, now, oh, I'm sorry, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor e uh, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we're so thankful tonight to be able to word of God before us. And uh, Lord, we're just thankful that uh, we can uh, experience a, an anointing and a touch of God each and every day, Lord, as we read the word and as we fellowship with you in prayer. And uh, God, I pray that you'd help us to be sensitive to what you want to reveal to us, Lord, and the things that you have prepared uh, to do in our lives and certainly in our ministry, Lord. And uh, I pray that we might be able to leave here with a sense of... Uh, understanding uh, the will and the way of God for each of us. Uh, Lord, we're just thankful that grace is always sufficient to save us. And uh, Lord, we're just thankful, Lord, that um, grace not only will save us, but it will keep us, it will stir us, it will strengthen us, it will enable us, Lord, to be able to enter into these things that you've prepared. And so, God, I pray for your blessing on the preaching of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text verse is verse 9. It says, but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that loved him. And so what God hath prepared. I really believe with all my heart that the Lord has a perfect will for each of us. And I really believe that God has prepared things for us to be able to experience and enjoy. Uh, but the problem is, this, as Paul states here, the things that God has prepared for us, my eye can't see it. And he says, uh, I have not seen. And in the physical realm, you can't see the spiritual things that God wants to do in your life. And so my eye cannot see it. He says here that the heart cannot hear it. I'm sorry, the ear cannot hear and the heart, I'm, man, I'm mixing it all up here while I'm trying to look at my notes and read the thing and try to compare them. I'm just going to read the verse. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them. So my heart cannot see it, my ear cannot hear it, and my heart cannot feel it. Amen. I knew I'd get it out. Amen. <laughs> 
And uh, when we look at things through the flesh, through the carnal aspect of our lives, uh, you cannot comprehend the amazing things of what God wants to do. I remember years ago when I got saved, I felt God called me to preach. I never dreamed that I'd be able to experience all that I've been able to experience in some 35 years or so of being saved. It's been an amazing journey. It's been an amazing life to watch what God has done. God had prepared for something for my life. I couldn't see it. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't feel it. But God had prepared something that he wanted to do in my life, and God has prepared something he wants to do in your life. And the reality is, is you can't figure it out and, and be able to experience it within the physical realm in which we live. Uh, have you ever stopped to just, just stop and think for a minute and just ask the Lord, uh, what will God do with my life? It's great to be able to talk about what God's going to do with other people's lives, but what is he going to do with your life? And are you even, uh, have you even thought through that process of talking to God specifically, Lord, what is it? that you have prepared for me? Or where would God lead me? Uh, what direction would he want me to go? Or what would he want me to fulfill? Or what would he want me to accomplish for his glory? And I believe every Christian can enter into a great uh, peace that only God can give and a great assurance that our lives are in the hand of God when we realize that God has lit literally prepared something that will glorify his name through each one of us. And the key in life is being able to find out what it is God wants to do with you and how he is going to be glorified in your life. Uh, God does have great things for those who loves us. You say, how do you know that? Because that's what the verse tells us. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And certainly our love for God enables us to enter into this relationship of being plugged into the very things that God has prepared for us. And so we want to look at just a few things here tonight on how to experience or how to plug into uh, these things that God has prepared for us. So notice first, first of all, in verse 1 and 2 of the chapter where we read, we see the person of the message. God has prepared something for us. And uh, it says here, Paul says, I, uh, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I love what Paul says here because of the fact he wasn't depending upon his education. He wasn't depending upon his ability to persuade people, but he presented to them, listen, God had prepared something to do in my life. God's prepared something for you. And so he has prepared the person uh, to re be revealed to you of who do you turn to and who do you surrender to and who do you trust uh, with your life. And he says, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So Paul's just simply this, the Savior is declared. And uh, we know that Jesus came into this world when he was born of Mary. It was testified by the angels that she shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And uh, re be re aware of that, that no matter what God is going to do in your life or how he's going to direct you, uh, he is always concerned about those that are lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so that means every aspect of our life of what God wants to fulfill in our lives 
is going to enable us to be a testimony of the grace of God and be able to share our faith with others that might they might know who Christ is. And so we declare Jesus Christ the Savior of this world. Uh, our lives are of no value if we're not uh, living our life to reveal the Savior, Jesus Christ. They, pe people don't need more human beings to lead them. They need Christ in their life. And uh, they certainly, listen, you certainly cannot persuade people, but the Lord Jesus Christ can persuade people. And people can reject what you have to say and refuse who you are. But listen, when you start praying for them and you uh, ask God to do something miraculous in their life, they can't fight against the prayers of God, the prayers of the saint who cry out to God uh, for the, their loved ones or to those that they're trying to help in living their life. And so the Savior declared, don't ever back off from talking about Jesus and make much of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And so what God has prepared for me, I believe, is, involves this matter of declaring who Jesus Christ is. And as a Christian, whether you're a Christian uh, a laborer in the workforce, uh, you know, just thinking of people I led to the Lord when I was driving truck. And uh, people I led to the Lord when I've been driving bus over the years. And, and uh, uh, we often think, well, wait a minute, declaring Christ is for the preacher and, or deacon or Sunday school teacher. And they go out soul winning and they talk about Jesus. No, for the Christian, God has prepared opportunities for every one of us to declare who he is to people. And I've often said I've won more people to the Lord by mistake, I think, than by purpose. And just allowing the Spirit of God to direct me to people to sit down and just talk to them and always have on your mind that, wait a minute, this is an opportunity that God's giving to you to talk about who He is. And uh, I don't, if we believe in the providential leading of God, then God doesn't direct us to people just for the purpose of us coming in contact. He directs us to people so that we might have an opportunity to declare who Jesus Christ is. And so uh, we see the person in the message is Christ, the Messiah. He said, though I came to you, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus. And he says, Christ. And Jesus is uh, well, the name of uh, Jesus in reference to identifying him as the Savior of the world. Christ is identifying him as a Messiah. He is the anointed one of God. He's the one who fulfilled the promise of God all the way back in Genesis 3.15 when God said he would be put in enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the man. And so God said that he would provide a savior that would come, the anointed one. And finally, when Peter and the other disciples are with Jesus, uh, Jesus asked him, whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And so he understood very clearly this connection with Christ was uh, uh, the Messiah was being revealed that he was the anointed one of God. And so when we present Jesus, let's present him for who he is. He is the son of God. 
And uh, there is no other Savior. There is no other one that was God in the flesh. There is no other one that fulfills the prophecies of the Old Testament. And so our person that we present in the message God gives us is God has prepared an opportunity for us to show uh, who the Savior is and who the Messiah is. And then he says this, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, uh, you know, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins. And so the sacrifice that was needed to satisfy the demands of a holy God is Jesus Christ. And uh, so what does that do for us? It eliminates man's works. We talked about that this morning. Uh, Man is saved by the grace of God and the grace of God alone. By grace through faith, we're saved. And so if we'll present to people Christ as the Messiah who sacrificed himself, they can come to the conclusion very quickly that there is absolutely nothing that I can do to save myself or to be right with God because I must come through Christ and Christ alone. Paul knew what God had prepared for the Corinthian believers was for them to be identified with who Jesus Christ was and what he did for them. Nothing else was going to change their conditions. Nothing else was going to enable them to grow closer to God than knowing the sacrifice that was needed for them to be saved. So it eliminates man's works. It elevates God's grace. Now I'm going to spend a lot of time on that because we talked much about grace this morning. But let me just say this, uh, that grace is the thing that is necessary to not just save us, but to keep us and enable us and strengthen us for the task and the will of God to be fulfilled in our lives. God has prepared something special for us, and we cannot experience it and enter into it apart from the grace of God. And so we find this sacrifice that Christ fulfilled eliminates man's works, elevates God's grace, and exasperates Satan's plan. Amen? (laughs) That'll preach, brother. (laughs) You talk about a frustrated individual, it's Satan. And (laughs) I always think we were practicing, doing choir practice today, and, and we were singing that song again, Meanwhile, Back at the Cross. I can't wait till we sing it. I might just start singing it myself, I'll tell you. But uh, it just deals with this whole thing about Satan's desire and his will and what he thought he was accomplishing, and he accomplished absolutely zero, nothing. And the amazing thing is that God has a plan, and he wants to do something miraculous through our lives, and when he does that through Jesus Christ, it frustrates Satan. I'll tell you one thing, it shakes him up because his works are failing, his victory is lost, Christ Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the Christian stands against Satan, and when we rebuke Satan in Jesus' name, he has to flee from us. And so God has something great and magnificent that he wants to do in our lives, but it's going to be through the person of the message who is Jesus Christ. And Paul says, wait a minute, I needed to reveal to you that, that, wait a minute, it hasn't entered into our, we haven't seen it with our eyes, we haven't heard it with our ears, we haven't felt it in our hearts, but God has something that he wants to do miraculous in your life. And he wanted him to know that's going to be experienced through Jesus Christ. Well, not only does it exasperate Satan's plan, but it exonerates the sinner. 
And I'll tell you, once you're saved, you're born again, you've come to Christ. I mean, you've been set free from the bondage of sin. Uh, you've been transported out of the pits of hell into the glories of heaven. Uh, you have taken on the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ. And because of that, you're no longer condemned and judged for your sin because the sin is under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so God has something miraculous he wants to do in your life. And people say, well, wait a minute. You don't understand what I was before I got saved. You don't understand the power of the blood to deliver and wash you clean. Remember, I felt God called me to preach. My tattoo on my arm. I almost didn't go into ministry because of that. I said, I can't preach the word of God. I got a tattoo on my arm. And I almost just stayed home. And I'm glad I didn't because God showed me it doesn't matter. I might bear in my body the marks of sin, but God washed away all my sin. Every time I see that tattoo, I say, praise God that God saved me. You know what? My tattoo's starting to droop pretty bad. <laughs> In the summertime, if I get sunburned, the bulldog's eyes start bulging. <laughs> He's getting in bad shape. He's drooping as time goes by. But I'm going to tell you, as time goes by, then Jesus, I'm blossoming. Amen. I'll tell you what, life gets better in Jesus Christ because of the fact I've been exonerated as a sinner. The devil has no hold. My sin cannot destroy me because I live a life of victory in Christ Jesus. I don't know why anybody would choose to live any other way. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about God has something he's prepared. I want to be ready for everything he's prepared. I don't want to miss out on anything. I tell you, people sometimes say, well, I'm just content just to kind of coast along and just get by. Well, go ahead and live that way. I want the whole thing, amen? I don't want a little bit. I'll tell you, <laughs> years ago, I went to see a friend of mine. He's in ministry up in Michigan. And uh, he said, we're going to go out and get ice cream. I said, all right, I love ice cream. And uh, so we were getting ready to go out. And he said, Mike, don't worry. I'm not, you don't need to order. I'm going to order for you. Now, I knew I was in trouble when he said that. And he said, I'm going to get you. I said, what do you get me? He said, I'm going to get you a Raiders raft. I'm thinking, a Raiders raft? What in the world is this? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, a Raiders raft. What is it? Well, the woman come walking out, and it was ice cream that was that long. I'm not exaggerating. This is not a fish story. The bowl was that long, and it piled up that high. I mean, it just was ice cream, scoops of ice cream, stacked on top of scoops of ice cream. And it, he, he brought it I can still see his face. He was laughing. He was laughing. He said, oh, Mike, look at that. You, you going to eat that? I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> he said, well, you don't have to eat it all. I'll help you. I said, oh, no, you bought it for me. That's my ice cream. I want it all. And I ate it all. I was so cold inside. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to wrap myself up in a heat blanket. I was so sick. But it was all mine. And I ate it all. And I don't know what God has for me, but I want it all. Amen. You say, how can you do that? I can tell you how through the person of Jesus Christ. That's how. What God has prepared. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. I scare myself sometimes. Anyway, the person of the message. Notice the power of the message in verse 3 and 4. 
Paul says this in verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The power of the message of being able to be plugged in to what God has prepared is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit power. Why is that? Because first of all, Holy Spirit power overcomes my frailty. It says here in our verse 3, I was with you in weakness. Paul didn't come alongside and say, wait a minute. Now you remember, I'm the tough guy around here and I got it all together and I got it all figured out. No, he said, when I came to you, I came to you in complete weakness. He was frail and because of his frailty, he needed God to do something miraculous uh, on his behalf. You know, Paul sought the Lord three times for the thorn that was in his flesh. And when he sought the Lord, the Lord did not take it away. But he revealed this to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's all right to be weak. It's all right to be frail. It's all right to say, I just don't have the strength to be able to do it because at that moment, what God has prepared will be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, saints of God, I want you to know tonight, if there's one thing that needs a fresh experience among believers in Christ is the fire of the Holy Spirit of God. God can send his spirit upon us and he can overcome whatever frailty you have. Whatever temptations overwhelm you, he can defeat those temptations. Whatever weaknesses are in your body, God can heal that body and strengthen that body. Whatever shortcomings you feel are in your spirit, the Holy Spirit of God can come in and give you the strength to do what God has prepared for you. Don't be afraid to go after what God's prepared because God will give you the strength to do it. So Holy Spirit power overcomes my frailty. Not only that, but it removes my fear. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I mean, Paul's just simply to say this, I was scared to death. I know one thing, when we left uh, before Bible college, I was scared to death. Amen. I'll tell you what, it was, it was a scary thing. We were 20, I was 28 years old. My wife was only 18 years old. No. <laughs> <laughs> but everything we know, I mean, she never had been away from home. Never, she'd never been anywhere. Just in Salem, Salem girl. She'd never been anywhere, I mean... She get, we get married, we're only married for about a year and a half, two years. And we get saved and God calls us to preach. And we bought, rent that U-Haul, we load everything up in that U-Haul, pack everything up, and I remember closing that door and thinking, what in the world are you doing, you nut? I mean, I, I, I told her when we were dating and we were engaged and everything, I was, I was wanting to move to Danville, Virginia. 
And she was like, I don't want to move to Danville, Virginia. I was like, I'm going to Grant. Let's go to Granite City, Illinois. I got stuck out there driving truck, and I was making money running loads from Granite City, Illinois, up to Milwaukee. I was making money, and I finally got home a few weeks later. I told her, we're moving to Granite City, Illinois. She was scared to death about where I was going to take her. She didn't want to know what I was going to do. And then I got saved, and God called me to Bible college, and we went to glorious downtown Pontiac, Michigan. I'm going to tell you, it's a fearful thing. While we were there, our house was robbed when she was at church and I was at work. We had no money to be able to move somewhere else. You had to learn how to deal with fear. There's nothing more devastating to someone than being violated by somebody breaking into your house and knowing they've, they've taken your possessions. And so fear grips the heart of man. At that moment, you have to realize this, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. And the flesh may overwhelm me, and I may tremble in my soul and in my spirit, but there is the Holy Spirit of God that gives me the power and the grace to overcome my fears. And I'm telling you, God enabled us to get over our fears, and we went out you know, with a mighty expectations of planning a church and starting a church and man we just launched right out with nothing I remember going up to rent a house and the woman asked me we found a house and I told her I said we needed like $1,625 to get in that house she asked me she said well she said how are you going to pay for that I said well I'm getting a job and God will take care of it. And she said, well, how are you going to give us the deposit I need to deposit in two weeks I said well you take a $20 down payment she said, are you kidding me? I said, no. And I'll tell you, fear started to grip my heart, and God's spirit just came upon me and reminded me, I'll take care of that bill. And I gave her that $20. She said, okay, but two weeks, I need $1,625. I said, that's fine. Here's $20. Hold the house. And, that, and I'll tell you what, two weeks later, I had $1,625. Uh, God's Holy Spirit will wipe away the fear. I remember my wife and I bought our house. I went to look at the real estate, I talked to a real estate agent, and they told me what the cost of the house was and this, that, and the other, and I said, well, we'd like to go take a look at it. She said, you know, it is customary to put a deposit down on a house if you're going to go look at it, and I was like, okay, well, how much do you want down? She said, well, generally, maybe $1,000, and I said, well, what, 100 do? <laughs> oh, it was $100, and I had to take that out of my insurance policy, $100 is all I had. And I'm going to tell you, you talk about shaking. When I finally we went to sign that mortgage, my wife will tell you, it's a wonder they could read my name. I was shaking. I never borrowed so much money in all my life. And I wrote that down there. And God provided being a veteran, being able to get a mortgage through VA and all this. I'm just saying this. We fall short of things that God wants to do in our lives because we're afraid to step out and say, what has God prepared? I'm telling you, God's been faithful to us over the years. And I've found this. If God before us, who can stand against us? I don't need to be gripped with fear. I cannot see what's going to happen. I cannot hear what's going to happen. I cannot feel how it's going to work out, but I have a God that I can trust, and he takes away all my fears. The Holy Spirit power overcomes my frailty, removes my fear. It elevates my speech. 
Notice he said in verse 4, it says, My speech was, and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and power. Paul was an educated man, but I'm going to tell you, Paul did not appeal to the uh, believers and to the church that was in Corinth through enticing words, but rather he allowed God to build up his words. I mean, when God called me to preach, I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. I can't, I, can't, I can't pronounce all these words. I didn't get hooked on phonics when I was in school, amen? <laughs> I went to high school, I was on a fifth grade reading level. And uh, I'll tell you, I started reading the Bible, and I started coming across all these names. I'm like, Lord, you want me to preach on these people? I can't even pronounce their names. Then God called me to come here to be the, the pastor, and I just saw all these names. <laughs> I'm like, I can't pronounce those names. I mean, where's, where's George and, and uh, Jones and, and uh, all these simple type names that you can t- say, oh, I'm a country boy, I'm a farm boy. Everybody was just, you know, waggle, or they were... What was that? I can't even remember their names down there anyway. It doesn't matter. It's just easy names to say. And I came up here and all these hard names I got to figure out how to say. You know? I re- and I thought, these people don't want to hear anything that I have to say. I, I can't even talk right. I don't-, I don't even have clear speech. I remember in Bible college, I used to mumble all the time. And I have to fight that now. My voice teacher made me sing a song. And that was entitled that uh, they crucified my Lord. The words in it was they crucified my Lord and he never said a mumbling word. She made me sing that publicly. <laughs> she said, Mr. Waggle, you're going to be a preacher. You got to stop mumbling. You need to speak clearly. And I was like, good night. And so and I said, nobody's going to ever listen to me. But God had something he wanted to do in my life. And let me tell you something, I can talk, I can preach, and it can come across all mumbled and jumbled and all mixed up. And I might forget the verse and I might read the wrong chapter and I might get the wrong sermon notes, I don't know. I've done that before, amen. And, uh, and all this, that, and the other, but God's prepared something. And when I stand up and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, unjumbles it all and helps people understand what it says. The power of the message of God. God has something great for you. Don't be afraid to step out and fulfill what God has for you. So we see the person of the message, the power of the message. We see the plan of the message in verse 5, that, there, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The plan of God is not for us to stand in the wisdom and the power of men, but we're to stand in the power of God. So faith that stands. God wants you to have faith that stands. Not faith that wavers. Not faith that is present when everything's going smooth. But faith to stand in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Wherefore take you on upon unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Then in verse 14 says, Stand therefore. Faith that stands. The plan of God is for you just to trust him. And not waver in your faith, but just believe that he has a plan. He has something prepared for you. And so have faith 
to trust him and stand and wait for him to bring it to pass. So not only a faith that stands, but a faith that speaks. In verse 6 and 7, it says, Howbeit we speak uh, wisdom among them that are per perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world uh, un, uh, unto our glory. And so a faith that's willing to speak out, to, pay, to declare those things that God has so revealed. And yes, it may not line up with the world, and the world may not accept it, but we have faith to say, thus saith the Lord. And if God says this, that's good enough. In Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, Paul says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost. And what this world, I really believe what this world needs is a fresh touch and a fresh anointing from God's people to understand that God has prepared something magnificent for us. And all we have to do is have faith to stand where God wants us to stand and faith to speak the things that God wants us to speak, speaking the truth in Christ Jesus, and let God sort out the pieces, amen? Let God bring it to pass. I want everything that he has for me. So faith to stand, faith that speaks, and a faith that surrenders. In verse 8 of our text, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. A faith that surrenders. And he's saying, just say, simply saying this, those that, that accused Christ and those who tormented Christ and those who crucified Christ, they did not understand what God had prepared because God had prepared a man to be sacrificed. God had prepared the one who would redeem the world. If they knew what God's plan was, if they had a witness and experience what God had prepared, they would have never crucified Jesus Christ. But in their ignorance and their refusal to surrender to Christ, uh, they crucified him. So what does faith that surrenders do? First of all, it obeys Christ and it does not oppose Christ. So when you think of what God has prepared, uh, just obey Christ. Whatever he says, do it. If he says this is how your marriage should function, if this is how your family should function, then do it. You say, well, I just don't understand how it's going to work out. Just do it. You don't have to see with your eye. You don't have to hear with your ear. And you don't have to feel with your heart. Just simply surrender to Christ, obey Christ, because God has prepared something for you, but you'll not experience it if you don't have faith to believe and to surrender yourself completely. So obey Christ does not, obeys Christ and does not oppose Christ. Faith that surrenders loves Christ and does not hate Christ. Don't, don't ever get upset with God. Don't ever get upset with God. God is always good. And God always has our good on his heart. And listen, whatever it is you're going through or whatever it is that is happening in your life, God has prepared something miraculous. God has been prepared something magnificent. But in order for you to experience that, you've got to go through the trial. You've got to go through the difficulty He's got to grow us in grace. And so uh, the plan is just simply this. Have faith that will surrender in that you love Christ, 
no matter what happens, don't get angry with God because God always has a good outcome for you if you can just trust him in faith. Well, faith that surrenders lives for Christ and does not live for the world. And so if God has prepared something for me, I know this. I'm not going to find it out in the world. I'm not going to find what God has prepared for me by living my life like everybody does in the world. Uh, I'm not going to be able to experience what God has prepared for me if I'm constantly running back to my past or constantly running to embrace the changes in culture, whatever it may be. I just know this. I've got to be with Christ and Christ alone. And so uh, he lives for Christ and he does not live for the world. And then faith that surrenders exalts Christ and does humble himself. He exalts Christ and he does humble himself. In, in order for me to be able to experience what God has prepared, then Jesus Christ has got to get all the glory. He's got to be lifted up. Uh, I'm not going to be able to experience what God has for me if all I'm worried about me, myself, and I. Because it really doesn't matter about who I am. It, what matters is the Christ that's in me. And so I want to exalt his name. Why? Because when I exalt his name, my physical eye can't see what he's doing, but now I can spiritually understand and have a vision of what God wants to do in my life. If, if Christ is not exalted, then I can't hear what he has to say. See, because if I'm more interested in listening to Fox News instead of listening to God in prayer, how am I going to hear what he has to say? Because my physical ear is not going to listen to him. If I'm more interested in, in listening to the fishing report, then I'm not going to be willing to listen to God. If we allow ourselves to be com completely consumed with communication from this world, Christ is not exalted in our life. If I, listen, if all I want to do is just feel that I'm connected and I'm a part of this world in which is going on around me, how in the world can I feel the presence of God? How in the world can I experience the freshness of the anointing of God in my life day by day? So I need to exalt Christ because as I exalt Christ, then I'm humbling myself. And so, listen, I have not seen Ear has not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. You say, well, what is it God has prepared for me? I don't know. I know one thing. If he has something prepared for me, I'd want to start figuring out what it is. I don't know what God has prepared for me. <laughs> I'm excited. I've always lived my life with a, with, with a desire of God. You reveal it, and I respond to it. I just by faith believe whatever it is that you have for me is better than whatever I can comprehend for myself. And so you say, well, what is it? I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't feel it. But God's prepared it. And so God helped me to turn to Christ. God helped me to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God enabled me, helped me, and showed me how I can surrender myself by faith and faith alone. Because physical eyes, I need to walk by faith and not by sight. Physically, my eyes can't see it. Uh, emotionally, my heart can't experience it. And the reality is my ears can't 
communicate with it and hear it. So God, you've got to show me spiritually how it is you're going to fulfill what you prepared for me in my life. It may be just talking to your neighbor. It may just be reestablishing some things in your own personal life and maybe in your home. It may be some things that need to change in the church. It may be some things that God wants to do. Maybe he wants you to, to leave everything that you know and go and preach the gospel somewhere. I don't know what it may be, but I know this, that if God has prepared something for you, the greatest experience you can have in life is to plug in for that. And when I found this, every time I think I got it figured out, the whole plan changes. Over my life, Joy and I have done this. We've experienced this over and over again. You know, you kind of think you got to help God meet your needs. And we've done these things. I remember years ago, we were coming home for Christmas, and we prepared this whole thing of how we were going to buy all the refreshments and everything. We had no money. We had enough money to get home buy what we were going to buy for refreshments. We had some quartets set up, my sister and my brothers, and all of us were going to sing, and we were going to do this whole thing, this whole service. I was going to preach, and, and just an old-fashioned Christmas, we called it, invited our family and all this, and had in our mind how God was going to meet our needs through doing that. You know what? He didn't do anything. <laughs> But before we left, we didn't, we didn't really, we did not know how we were going to get back to Michigan. We had no money. And we never told anybody about it either. But before we were ready to leave, I even forget who it was. Somebody gave us money, just said, thanks so much for, we were praying for you and just appreciate the way you came home and this, that, and the other. I can't remember all the conversation. All I know is it was amazing that God provided for our needs completely, totally opposite of everything that we thought he would do. And I found this. I can't outmaneuver God. God has prepared something for me. He's prepared something for you. Stop trying to figure out how you can help God get it done. Just have faith to believe that he'll do it. And then be ready to move into it when God starts opening the doors. You say, that doesn't make any sense. I know it. And I never make any sense. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's fun. <laughs> There's never a dull moment. I'll guarantee you that. But God is faithful. He's always faithful. And I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared. Oh, God, help us. Help us to enter into that preparation. Let's pray. Father, thank you. What great grace is extended to us. What an experience we can have. Lord, because of the fact that you are so gracious and willing to prepare us, Lord, for a life that would glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, we have to be honest and we have to confess that we really don't comprehend all of that. But we believe it. We have faith to trust you with it. And so, Lord, we open a way for us to be able to experience 
and fulfill uh, the great things you have prepared for us. I believe with all my heart, Lord, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And thank you, Lord, that you prepared these things for us. Be glorified in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.